McNulty's done incredibly well to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, scores yeah. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They've won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce and Matt Corrick. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to the PO Forecast, episode 33. Well, it's been an absolute action-packed time at the moment. We've got two games to review for you today in part one. Uh, and then in part two, we're going to look at, unfortunately, that's it. Automatic promotion is not a possibility. Luton promoted, Barnsley promoted. It's time for us to focus our attention now on the playoffs, people. So in part two, we'll be going into the playoffs and... In part three, we'll be previewing the now really important game against Accrington Stanley. Not to see if we get promoted, but who we draw in the playoffs. Um, joining me today, returning Sam. Hi, Hugh. Just re- re- recovering from the. Sorry, you go. <laughs> no, I'm just saying returning, mate. You were back on the podcast. Yeah, happy to be back. Recovering from last night, just about getting over it. It was a bit. Um, it was all a bit stressful, but just just about getting over it. <laughs> Oh, mate, it was an absolutely emotional occasion, wasn't it? I, I managed to resist the um, temptation to dive into a bottle of Jack Daniels afterwards. <laughs> it were, I wouldn't have blamed you if, if you had. No, no, I managed to resist that. I'd worked today and I've been spending nine hours doing a lot of um, technical stuff. So I'm pretty glad that I didn't actually get absolutely ruined. But <laughs> I also probably wouldn't be able to talk much on here. So, all right, mate, let's do it. Sunderland, let's give a bit of background. So we all went up to the game. Yep. You were sat in the Sunderland section, which I think yeah. is great. Yeah, so right, might, right amongst it. <laughs> that's it. So you've got a bit of a, a different perspective to most of the Pompey fans who are going to be listening to this. Yeah, it was um, it was interesting. I was right in so the opposite end of the Pompey fans where kind of all the hardcore, we call it hardcore Sunderland fans were. Um, it's, it was. I thought from down there, the atmosphere was really good because of um, they were really loud and it was quite like fierce at times I don't know if you got the same kind of that that kind of perspective from up where you were sat because it seemed like it was miles away absolutely not mate I mean to be honest it was quite difficult to hear the noise that the Sunderland fans were making obviously the Pompey fans are three or thousand of them were making a lot of noise Um, it was pretty rowdy where we are to be honest and I remember one of the stewards um, who was a girl she looked around at me and just went what the fuck is going on here? Like, how are we gonna, how are we going to control this? And yeah, but I would have thought with us being up so high, that noise doesn't translate to down below. No, yeah, it, I think it was exactly the same for 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 you guys as it was for me. I, I personally, I could hear the Pompey fans, but I knew they'd be singing. But it was just because they're so far away on on the atmosphere side. It just I was amazed at how how many fans there were there for a League One game, 40,000 fans for a League One game. It kind of put it into perspective about the size of each of the clubs. And yeah, Sunderland, they, they well, from where I was sat, you could, I thought their fans were excellent. Yeah, no, this is what I said when I was speaking to the guys um, from Roker Report, and they were discussing even before um, the incident, which we'll get onto in a bit, about about the uh, the smoke grenade, that they would like to see in some ways the away fans in the lower section of yeah, the stand. I, I to that, yeah. Um, do you think that that's uh, something that you reckon would improve the atmosphere in the ground? Oh, definitely. Cause I, I remember in the premier league, I think they had the away fans near where I was sat on that kind of like in the corner. I think in the it corner. Was. Yeah. So it, it was, I personally think if I was a Sunderland fan, I'd prefer the away fans to be there just cause it adds a bit more. You can have a bit more like banter with them. If you know, if that's the word word for it. Um, because at Fratton in the Milton end, you've kind of got the Milton and the North stand are quite close together. And if you've got a big away following, there's quite a nice little kind of, you know, you get a bit of back and forth going there. Yeah, a bit of to and fro. Yeah. 
you do get that at the front and front part, don't you? Because um, I sat in the Milton Inn for the for the Coventry game, and yeah. I'll be honest, the Coventry fans seemed really loud until you know until we got that equaliser. But even from the start of the game, they seemed particularly loud. I'm guessing that's not the sort of impression most fans got from the front end. Yeah, it, I, I guess this is where you sat, but um, on on the atmosphere side at Sunderland, it just definitely see it would seem it would make more sense if they moved the fans closer, just because it would just bring it more. It would just make it a bit more interesting for their fans. If I was their fans, I'd, I would have liked to have someone to kind of shout at, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and the same with the Pompey fans as well. I think yeah. it doesn't help that they've got the Roker end, which is their newly founded end, basically, at the other end where you were. And then you've got um, the family stand, essentially, underneath yeah. the away fans. So yeah. there's absolutely no banter there, is there, going no. back and forward? One, one, one thing I will say is when that flare went, when the idiot threw that flare into the uh the family stand um, me and my dad had to keep our heads down because if we'd been found out then god it was a uh, pompey fans were not the most popular people in the in the in the stadium at that point no i, I can imagine not yeah. and <laughs> let's be honest we, we don't condone any acts of throwing pyrotechnics into other fans because it's just one of those things, isn't it? You just don't do. I don't know if the guy bottled it and threw it after lighting it because there was quite a heavy police presence and steward presence in the away section. Mm. Um, they just kept coming from nowhere, mate. They yeah. just kept, you know, like wacky races and they just start coming up through the stands <laughs> and it's just like yeah. this constant line of, of people sort of coming constantly. I was thinking, where are these people coming from? Yeah. Uh, I think maybe with the police there and so many of them, to be honest, in the stands and stewards, he just bottled it. But mm. no excuses, obviously. It was, it was a dreadful thing to do. On to the game, mate. Sunderland, would you say, on the balance of play with a better team? It was a tough one because I thought that we would have gone for the game a little bit more in the second half. Um, it was just, I thought we, because obviously we needed the win to kind of keep it in our own hands. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, on on some of the saves that McGilvery's pulled off, are, they're world class saves. Like the the one at the very start, that bicycle kick. I, I, me and my dad were right behind it, and you could see the him getting flick onto the post. So he's kept yeah. us in the game like massively. Um, I, better side. I feel that they kind of huffed and puffed a lot. We've not really create. They created a f- obviously the chances that McGilvery saved, but. They, I don't know, they just kind of passed it around a lot but didn't really do too much. We seemed comfortable. I, I thought Burgess was had a wonderful game at the back. He dealt with Charlie White really well. He was an absolute warrior, wasn't he? He, was, yeah. he, he looks... Burgess looks like... In the, he's in the best form of his life, isn't he? he oh, 100%. Yeah. He's in the, best, the best form I've, of best his best life. I've seen him in a Portsmouth shirt by some distance. And and he, he doesn't look out of place. I've been saying this for a few weeks. Now. He doesn't look out of place, does he? Playing with Matt Clark, no, it's a part. No. It's a it's a real partnership there, isn't it? Not yeah, a one and yeah. two sort of thing. Both really good ball playing centre halves. So we're we're lucky at the moment in in having both of them. I know, and I know Sunderland have had dreadful luck with their centre backs, um, and they've been. You know, I think they said even the other day, listening to the pod, their podcast, that they wish they had a centre back pairing like we had of Clark and um, yeah. And Burgess. Yeah, I, I listened to the, I think it was the one before Christmas you did with the guys from their podcast. And he mentioned about Clark, about how he's one they've kind of, they look at and they'd like. They're, they, I mean, I think they've changed, they changed their centre-half pairing quite a yeah. lot recently, haven't they? So After Coventry, but, they changed it. They dropped well, yeah. the two, they dropped um, Flanagan and I can't remember the guy's name now off the top of my head. Uh, I know where it is. A uh, guy from Peterborough, I know what you mean. Uh, Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, they dropped them both, didn't they? And yeah. um, installed two um, much more physical defensemen, really, who have a bit of a no-nonsense approach. Yeah. I mean, obviously that works a bit better defensively in some ways for them, but it's not working for them, is it, results-wise at the moment? No, they've always... How I saw it, when they conceded five goals at home to Coventry, in my opinion, you don't deserve to go up automatically if you concede five goals at home. I mean, we nearly did it yesterday, but it was a different kind of game and we only conceded three. If you concede five goals at home, with that sense, something's going wrong at the back. And it's been a problem for Sunderland all season. They've been drawing too many games, conceding late goals, silly goals. Um, but that's that's why they're not good. That's why they've, they've ended up short in the end. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I think that... Their goalkeeper, obviously, he is absolute class as well. You know, Scotland international, yeah. Lockheed. He's not. He's not. He's kept them in games, isn't he? I think if they had an average goalkeeper, like say the Peterborough goalkeeper from oh my god, in a day, <laughs> they might they might have really really struggled. Yeah, their keeper their keeper is 
excellent. He's one of the better ones we've seen this season. Him and the Barnsley keepers, sensational. Some of the saves he's made have been... Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, so to go on to the game then, you know, Pompey, Pompey obviously, go one down. What did you think of it? It wasn't a kind of a goal you'd expect a, a Kenny Jacket Pompey to concede. We we don't really concede that many from set pieces and we did last night as well. It was just a when when I saw the ball come in, I was like, oh, we'll just clear this out. And it just seemed like just some lax marking, really. And it was a great header by um, Flanagan and not much McGilvery could have done, done about it. No, for sure. I, I do think, though, that maybe the atmosphere got to us a little bit, maybe just switched off for a moment. <laughs> it was quite... It, obviously, the two teams have a little bit of history, don't they, with playing it, you know, the red card earlier on in the season and yeah. the, the Wembley sort of emotions and, yeah. you know, the two sets of fans. And I, I feel that maybe we switched off for a minute then. Yeah, I, I, I'm i liking the rivalry with, with Sunderland that's kind of developing. It's quite a nice kind of, it's exciting and it's interesting. But I felt that obviously when the, when they, the Sunderland fans at the start were right behind their team and I could t- tell it from where I was sat, you could just, see how much the, the fans wanted it and there's a real like well if they don't get promoted this year god knows what's going to happen up there but it seemed like we'd seen out the kind of early storm and it was just a real kind of lack you're right of just that kind of bit of concentration just went and it was a real shame because i thought we'd seen out most of the kind of the barrage at the start of the game and we were just getting into it and to concede like that was a bit it i'm sure jacket was fuming no, I'm sure he was. It was one of those things in which I remember just going in. But at the same time, when it went in, I thought, all right, here we go then. Yeah. We, have, we we have been guilty, haven't we, of, of slow start so far this season? Yeah, well, the Burton game, we came, well, we were drawing in that and we got a late one. Coventry game, we conceded early. Yesterday, we conceded too early. It's not like, it's not an uncommon thing, but we seem to have that kind of resilience to get back into games. And it is, it's a, like, it's a good trait to have. It is indeed, but I would like to see us actually go one up for once and maybe then we can actually build on it. Yeah. I suppose you could argue the other way around, though, that if we go one up, we tend to sit deep and that invites pressure on us. Yeah, so my, the guy who sits behind me said that exact thing yesterday. He said, we're actually playing better football now when we're two behind than we would be if we were one that up yesterday because we would have just sat back and tried to catch them on the break. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Do you think with um, the Sunderland game then, uh, Jamal Lowe, obviously, um, he got the goal. I was gutted, mate. I had money on Lee Brown. Um, <laughs> so did Andy. People listening to oh, the podcast. Oh, no, he hit the bar, yeah. He hit the bar. Uh, that would have been between us about 200 odd quid. Um, oh. And it bounced back. And the only other money we had on was on Nathan Thompson. And he's right back. But I couldn't see who scored, really, from the distance it was. Yeah. So I was like, what was it, Naylor? Was it Thompson? <laughs> who put it in, you know? And yeah. then someone told me it was Lee Brown who hit the bar. And then I was gutted afterwards. Obviously, he's madly celebrating. What did yeah. you think of the goal? Well, I've got a, there's a few interesting points I've noted here because I was on the, the, the goal line. So at that end, I was literally on the goal line. And when Pittman hooked it back in, the ball was about a yard out of play. So we were very lucky yeah. for that goal to stand. But all the, all the Sunderland fans got up and were like, that ball's gone out. And obviously hit the bar and then it's gone in. And I didn't think it was going to stand. So obviously I kind of didn't have to, <laughs> I, w- I didn't have to kind of sit on my hands and not celebrate it for like, because I wasn't sure if it was going to stand. But it just, it was all kind of a bit bizarre. It just seemed like everyone stopped. And then it's just, I don't know, Pittman, Pittman's done really well to hook it back. But it did look like the ball had gone out a little bit. No, I'm sure it did go out. Looking at the replays, it looked like it went out. But then yeah. again, you know, we could do the bit of luck at the moment, couldn't we? So, yeah. you know, early in the season, you know, late, sorry, early in this year even, you know, things weren't going well for us. The ball wasn't bouncing right. We're on that losing streak, drawing yeah. streak even. And this is just football, isn't it? As, as Kenny Jacket would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we, you kind of get them. Like, I, I saw an incident, I don't know, I've, I'm guessing it's hard to see for me, but an incident straight after was... Um, James Vaughan, there was a ball went in. It was, I think it was a free kick. Curtis might have whipped it in. And Vaughan was manhandled, two arms around him. He fell over. And I was convinced it was a stonewall penalty, but he just, no one seemed to move. Um, it's, just, it, it's one of them. It just kind of comes around like the Burton luck. That's a, it, it, I think it all averages out. Yeah, yeah, so do I. And I was going to say, actually, on the, um, on the, on the refereeing, do you, I mean, there could have been a couple of red cards in that game, couldn't there? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, Nathan Thompson for one. I think my dad said to me, we were like, within the first 10 minutes, he's he's walking a tightrope already with the way he goes in full full pelt and the way he goes down as well. It's kind of a bit risky. So I thought he was going to get sent off for, for um, diving or simulation. Or yeah, I'm, I'm shocked he didn't. Really shocked he didn't. And, and also and, the penalty, oh. potential penalty at, at their end, the, deep, uh, uh, the double challenge. So first Thompson, then Naylor. Uh, for me, Thompson won the ball. I'm, I'm going to. I listen. I've listened to the Sunderland report they did on their podcast of the game, this game, and they all thought definite penalty. But, but for me, Thompson's won the ball. He's he's got his foot in there before, and his follow through taken out wide. So I, I can understand why. And the ref had a perfect view of it, so no penalty for me. Nice one. I couldn't really tell because. For me, it looked almost like he came around and got the ball with the scissor afterwards, but it, it's hard to see from the. From I, th- the I think the yeah. fact that he got the ball kind of made the ref's mind up, and that's that's why it was. It's a risky one. I don't think he needed to make the tackle because Wyke had his back to goal. I know he was in the box, but he did have his back to goal, so he wasn't really. It, it wasn't like he was going to shoot. He could have maybe. It was a risky tackle, and that's what I mean with Nathan Thompson on Saturday. He can't. He was walking a tightrope. Completely, he just threw himself in, didn't he? Anything he yeah. could. Um, but to be fair, he battled, he didn't he? He won a lot of challenges, on, and he's one of the best players in the pitch. Oh yeah, he was. I'd give him man of the match just purely because he was just some of the. He, he he never jerked a tackle. He's always going for it, and he he's a prof, he's a pro. He, I know everyone laughs at his kind of Thompson floppy does, but it's it's professionalism. He 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 wins his side free kicks when they're in bad positions. He gets us out. Is he's he's a He's a top. He's a proper uh, professional. You don't see that many people actually winding McGeady up as well and putting him off his game. But I haven't seen McGeady dive into so many challenges against yeah. one player as yeah. Nathan Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's an interest day of a, at Wembley. McGeady was all over him, and he, he seems to have got his own back in that last game. That's it. I think that's all about Nathan Thompson's chat as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, are you got anything else to say on the Sunderland game? Or should we move to Peterborough? Uh, let's have a look. What was I going to say? Oh, just in this, just as I felt in the second half, I just felt we could have exploited the kind of gaps in the in their um, in their defence a little bit more because they had to win that game, and I felt we had to, we had some opportunities to break and maybe get one on the on the break. But then again, I could see why Jacket was holding out for a point in hind like in hindsight because if we got if they'd won that game, then it would have meant automatics was a definite no for us. A point against them keeps us above them and. I could see why he went. He he kind of shut up shop at the end. Yeah, no, I can understand as well. And to be honest, it was a it was a coin flip because I thought actually the second half we came out and started quite brightly. Yeah, I thought, I thought we looked quite good for the first 10, 15 minutes of the of the second half. Um, and I thought that we were unlucky maybe not to push in and and get a goal. But these things swing around, don't they? And, and the stats show um, from expected goals that Sunderland had the most clear cut chances, which I think is is blatantly obvious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they had, they had ten shots, six on target. We had five two on target. Mm-hmm. They had fifty six percent possession to our forty four percent possession. Fouls sixteen to eighteen. <laughs> I don't think you see that many fouls usually in the game, do you? What's no, you that? don't. What's that? Thirty three? No, thirty four fouls. Yeah, God. <laughs> it's basically a foul every four minutes. Is that right? Yeah, I I, I think regarding the the game a point is a great result up there at any other point any other time in the season but given that we needed to win the game it was kind of a it was a tough it's a kind of you're not really sure what to make of it um for us to get a point up there in that atmosphere it was kind of like that hostility with their players bang up for it needing to win it is a good point no, I agree. And, and I, you know, looking at it now as well, we haven't lost to Sunderland. And if you have to play them again in the playoffs, that's something that will will stand us strong. Yeah, I, I think mentally we've got the edge over them. I, I, look at them yesterday. They went and lost 2-1 to Fleetwood yesterday. So they're, they're definitely, definitely beatable. Um, and I think we have got the win, the beating over them over two legs. even at the, and, and we got the beating over them if it was at uh, Wembley in the final. No, I agree. I agree, mate. So happy days on that one. And then yeah. with all that positivity, we moved into last night's game. So we're recording this on Wednesday. Peterborough at home. Did you expect us to win it? Uh, yeah, I did. And I expect us to win it by uh, comfortably. I did. <laughs> yeah, same here. I mean, actually, no, actually, no, I predicted a 2-1 win, but 
a lot of chances and just converting two of those chances. I think that I haven't got the XG stats because they haven't been produced, basically. Um, but I could see that a lot of chances we created in the first half, whilst Peterborough, on the other hand, just took their chances clinically, didn't they? Yeah, uh, I, on the break, they look very good. But then you never really see us that open at the back. Um, I think it, we, we obviously both teams needed to win the game, but I do feel we could have maybe absorbed the pre- like we usually do, kind of absorb pressure a little bit because Peter had to win that game as well. Maybe absorb a little bit more pressure than, and maybe try and catch them on the break a little bit more than we did because we tried to take the game to them and we were left open and they broke they broke with real pace that 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 Madison for them I don't know how he's still at Peterborough but <laughs> he seems to always get linked with moves away and then always stays there but very good player yeah and also if you actually look at how Peterborough play they don't actually create that many chances um by expected goals across the whole season they're really not that far up they're, they're not um that up the table at all they're sort of lower mid table and how many chances they create yeah they, they tend to just sit back and then try to hit teams when they're most vulnerable mm. so that game plan was open and there's for everyone to see it's how I exactly how I expected Peterborough to play they do sit that deep and hit you quickly and directly yeah we knew, we knew this when we previewed the game against them earlier in the season mm. it would yeah I, I, that's why I would have thought Jack it might have kind of played kind of like gone battle fire with fire and gone sat back a little bit and try and catch them on the break because they they would have been open because they needed to win the game as well there's no reason why we can't play um possession football without committing everyone forward yeah you know, we don't need to have Naylor on the edge of the box waiting for it and do you know what i mean there's there should be an element of protectionism from from the midfield yeah because usually you see when Clark kind of gets the ball and does his driving runs, which I absolutely love, and I think it's a great trait he's got. You usually see kind of like Naylor kind of slot in behind and kind of play like yeah. a, a centre half for that for while he's kind of gone. You didn't see that yesterday we, we, at all. Clark would go and it would just be kind of one person back, and that's why we got caught. Well, their their first goal was a brilliant counter attack. Oh, no, it was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? And it was just that case. I mean, Lee Brown just got done for pace, didn't he, down that wing as well? Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's a goal. McGilvery's mm. got absolutely nothing you can do about it, I don't feel. Do you feel uh, the same? Yeah, the first, the first goal I don't think you could do anything with. And the second one was such a powerful header. Um, it would, that's what I, I was shocked because we don't concede many goals from, from set pieces. We're usually quite solid from set pieces, both offensively and defensively. So it was... Um, it was I was surprised to have he had such a run on the ball and it was a great leap and a great header. I mean, just to put this into perspective, how many uh, chances Peterborough sort of create as such, okay? They actually create by expected goals about the same amount as Plymouth and just <laughs> just a few more than Wickham and Bristol. Yeah. So they will are a team who will allow chances and will then hit you on the counter-attack. So, mm. I, I, again, I would have liked a bit more strategy there, but I, could, I reckon that Kenny did play that strategy and the players just went out and were like, right, we're going to do this. And yeah. Especially especially when it was all going our way at the start. They were just like, right, just got overexcited, I think, in the occasion. Yeah. I think that the, the crowd were brilliant yesterday throughout the whole game. Even when we were 2 all down, we there was still, I still, the crowd kind of believed and everyone knew we were going to get back into the game. Um, but sometimes... They, the players were so kind of up for it and they, the goal that they scored it was kind of it was so, so against the run of play it might have just shocked them a little bit yeah no I think it did and uh, but yeah you're right the fans sounded absolutely amazing you know loud and just positive I'd say you know apart from a little bit of frustration obviously against the, the Peterborough players for the huge amount of time wasting they're doing yeah um, Darren Ferguson he just seems to be a bit of a mouthy sod doesn't he <laughs> well, his uh, I watched his interview after their game on Saturday, and he, he I was expecting a reaction from Peterborough because um, they lost three 0 to Walsall on Saturday, and I watched his interview after, and he called out all his players saying it quite publicly, and you could understand, you could see the reaction he got off them. But uh, yeah, his team <laughs> to say they time wasted a little bit's a bit of an understatement. They were doing it from the get go, but. They had to win the game. I'm not surprised they did it. Uh, they got the crowd. Well, Tomlin was a, kind of winding the crowd up and I'm guessing that's all he could have asked from his players to kind of get get the crowd against Pompey or get a bit of frustration going around the place. And, and it did work to an extent. 
I mean, Darren Ferguson's obviously a funny manager, isn't he? But the fact that this is his third spell at the club after being fired twice. Um, he then controversially, um, when he got reappointed, he got given a, a new contract after Peterborough dropped out of the playoffs. Yeah, I saw that. Peterborough are a bit of a funny club as well, because obviously they were top of the league for a bit, weren't they, when we were up there? Yeah. Um, I said it's not a sustainable model, just due to all the stats I've already gone on about. And the fact that that's not going to be that consistent, I don't think their approach is consistent enough no. to to win the league or to get promoted automatically. They're a weird one. They seem to do the same kind of same thing every year. They did it last season as well. They start off really well and then they always finish seventh or eighth or mid table. It's a, it's a strange one, but I get what you mean about their kind of model. They, um, they spend quite, they spent quite a bit of money this um, in the summer and for them not to kind of finish in the playoffs with the amount of money they spent would definitely be a disappointment. And it's kind of the opposite to how we've kind of gone about our business. We've, we've invested in, in youth players, in good young talent. That's kind of, and, and that's kind of done well for us this season. We're developing our assets, which is pretty much the opposite to, that, to what they're doing. Yeah. I, do you know what? I, I mean, I think Ivan Tony's a good player, not just for his attacking prowess, but at the back, he does. he's pretty good handy, isn't it? Heading the ball out for them as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I didn't realise how big he actually was, but he's, he's quite a, a big lad and he's, it was a great finish for his third goal as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, abs- he's clinical, isn't he? And I just... Yeah, he was a player that we were linked to as well, wasn't he? At the start of the season, I remember. Mm. Um, and he ended up going off to Peterborough. You know, don't know if he would add something to us, maybe in this squad now. But yeah, he's he's definitely one of those players I thought was was good for them on the field. Apart from yeah. when he was well, when he's on his feet, basically, he spent a lot yeah. of time <laughs> lying on the floor, injured or yeah. going down. I think Nathan Thompson pushed him at one point, and he just absolutely collapsed to the floor. Yeah. And then, Madison as well. He didn't get up for like five minutes, did he? At one point after going nah. down. I, I do, I do, I do rate Madison though. So his set piece delivery is, pretty, well, personally, I think it's the best in the league. That that ball he whipped in for that one that hit the crossbar, that that ball was pretty much undefendable. I couldn't work out how he got it there. Do you think that if we do go up, he'd be a good buy? In the championship, I think he would. Yeah, but I just he's been linked with Sunderland quite a bit the last few seasons. I, I don't know how old he is actually. I have to check his age because for me, a good buy would be, it, it all depends on the age of the player and how much they're going to develop. And to, of into, course, into I mean, being a good player. It won't really matter though, Sam, because you want to come and play in the championship, won't you? Rather than playing for Sunderland in league one. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll be up there. <laughs> That's the one, mate. That's the spirit we <laughs> need. Um, so, the goals. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the finish. We haven't gone through them all, have we? Christian Burgess. Like to give a little round of applause. Isn't it? Is that his first yeah, League One goal? It might may well be. Yeah, I think it is yeah. this season. Well, yeah, this season. I know he got one in the Checker Trade or the League Cup as well. But I think he's actually. Um, sorry, I looked this up. Actually, nice one, Christian Burgess. But uh, Madison's twenty-five years old, mate. Twenty. Yeah. I think that's a well if you're a championship club looking at him I reckon I think that'd be a good buy um because of his age he's still got three or four good years in him yeah I he's a very he's a real talent and I'll give you this as well just to prove he's not a flash in the pan this season he's got eight goals with 15 assists okay mm-hmm. last season he got eight goals 16 assists the season before nine goals 17 assists you see yeah he, he brings both assists and go- he's a bit like Jamal Lowe in that sense assists yeah. and goals so yeah but he's, but he's also what I mean is he's got that consistency over three years there so it's a sort of a platform to show he can do that it's not a one season he's done amazingly you know you buy him and he flops the next season sort of thing yeah yeah well we'll talk about transfer rumours I'm sure all across the summer so <laughs> it's the best bit of the, it's the best bit of the the summer <laughs> just going on Twitter each day and just checking just scrolling well, if we hear anything, we'll be sure to let people know. But going back to finish this game off, mate, we've got to talk about it. The offside goal. Do we have to talk about it? <laughs> we do. We do. Oh, and that's, I'm sure we won't be, won't be long on it because I'm sure people listening don't want to hear about it for very long. But it's one of these things that I think both players, personally, I'll give you my take. Both of them are to blame to a certain level. Pittman, he's got too much experience to pass the ball forward like that. You know, as a striker in his prime like that, he he knows when the player's that far forward. 
you check before you make a pass. And really, I know he's been eager to, to do the right thing and almost like seeing out his number 10 role rather than being the number nine. And he's he's fitted into the system of being the guy who provides as well as scoring, isn't he? Yeah. I just, I just feel that he's just, he's just not looked. Solomon Ottobar, why he's there, I, I don't know, mate, to be honest. Is it because Pittman was slowed up a bit? Oh. Otterball could have held it. For me, I agree with you. It's both of them, in my opinion. I don't think I don't I don't like blaming them, but no, it, it was it's a moment that's defined. It's changed the season. In it, it potentially has changed the season. Um, if he Otterball's got plenty of pace, he can just hold his run, stay behind Pittman, and he just slots him in to finish it off. Um, it's and I get what you mean, but then I'd, I would have loved to have seen Pittman just finish it and just put it in the net. Because he would have, he wouldn't have missed from there. No, I know, I know, I completely agree. Um, I was not blaming the players, mate, for sure. And I thought Ottawa looked lively as well. Uh, yeah, that, that's one thing I would like to say is I thought he he was he looked electric when he come on. His pace is he's always he wanted to beat his man. Um, he, he cut inside at that shot. I, I yeah. definitely reckon I'd, I'd like to see him play on Saturday and be involved in the playoffs as well. And I, it wasn't nice on social media last night seeing kind of fans having a go at him because he he could be a real real handful in the playoffs if if he if he is um if he's played it's absolutely bang out of order mate it's an absolute disgrace to see people having a go at a young footballer like that who yeah. a young talented footballer um who, who pulls on the shirt and, and gave his all for us really in a really important yeah. game and i mean it was a bit of a schoolboy error but everyone makes mistakes mate and let's be honest i i thought he came on and made a real impact so yeah. But regardless of how he played, we don't talk to our players like that. And we no. don't talk to other human beings like that. No, it, it, I, 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 it's hard to see because I don't, I don't want us to lose or lose the opportunity in signing a player like him. People have been saying our January window wasn't good. But for me, he's, the games he's played, he's looked, he's looked really good and he's looked a, like a class above what we have. Personally, he looked better than Curtis. He offered more, he's got more natural talent than Curtis. Um, in the Barnsley game at home, he had their their right back all over. The right back didn't know what to do. He won the penalty. Yeah. He had a few chances in the first half. He was unplayable. And I would, I would like to see us kind of pursue him in the summer if he is available. Because I feel he can, if he can develop certain parts of his game, then he could potentially be a real good player for us, which whichever league we're in. I agree. And I also think that he just needs a bit of run in the team. Yeah. I feel like if he was starting week in, week out, those little things he needs to iron out would naturally iron out. And yeah. we're, we're, we're looking at this with Ronan Curtis going back from injury and it's been weeks now and he's still got things he needs to iron out, hasn't he? Yeah. And when, and when you get back into playing consistently, you look, you look at the, the close nailer partnership and how those guys are playing together and how, that consistency has really made something special in the middle. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we look a little bit outnumbered in the middle. I don't think it's any of their, it's not like their, their fault to say, but I think it's just the formation and kind of sets up a little bit. So they're going to get outnumbered, but they comp for me close and Naylor complement each other really well. Cause Naylor obviously gets his foot in kind of breaks up play and close kind of picks the ball up afterwards. And then, distributes it brilliantly obviously both of them have to develop parts of their game Naylor's passing and close is tackling but that's that's not really what they're in the team to do no I understand what you're saying as well with the, with this with the um us getting clogged in the middle I do feel that is a system a system thing and what it is is that allows you to have that almost luxury of three purely attacking players behind a striker doesn't it yeah and when, and when you go for that formation of having those three really lucrative players and let's be honest Brett Pittman's doing a lot better chasing the ball back and stuff but he's mm. never going to be a world beater defensively He's never no. going to be the kind of person who gets a grip on. He's not Gattuso, is he? You know, no. He's not. He's not going to come and get a grip on the game in that sense. But that's why we have those attacking players going forward, and that's just the system we play. Yeah. Yeah. No, carry on. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. With Pittman, uh, obviously, you say we have those that two in the middle. It's allowed for us to kind of get the best out of Pittman since he's since he's come back into the team. He's been one of the best players for me. He's he. I, we've seen a side to his game that we haven't really seen before, which is kind of picking the ball up and, and finding a pass. And he looks like the most intelligent player on the pitch at times. Kind of, he spots passes and can play them first time. 
and some players just simply can't. They haven't. They're, they're just not good enough to do that. And he, you can tell at times he has played a higher level just because of the the little reverse passes he plays and and the, the the kind of clever movement. We haven't really seen much of that from Pittman because he has been that kind of player who just plays number nine bangs it in the net but it's nice it's 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 a great option that we've kind of discovered to have yeah we've been talking about some of the podcasts of the last few well for a while now the idea that we're playing too many direct long balls having Pittman in that sort of in the in the number 10 role means that he sort of comes in he collects the ball he um he demands the ball short as well rather than us just banging it up the whole time and I really yeah. think he's had an influence on not just you know, the going forward, but the whole way that the team plays, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I agree with that. Yeah, so, oh, well, Peterborough didn't quite work out for us. I thought it was a tough game, wasn't it? And at the end of the day, you know, we've been on a fantastic run to get where we are now, to be in with a chance, to be in with a shot. I also liked at the end of the game, Lee Brown was just telling players, I don't know if you saw this, but he just told everyone to get the fuck up. Yeah, a few of the players dropped down to the floor, and he just walked over like, "Get up!" Yeah, so, I mean, this We're, isn't the end of the season, sort of thing, in a good way. Realistically, our our, our season it, losing losing it to home to Blackpool and away to Oxford and the Barnsley and three nil up at the penalty. That that that's what's cost us. We've gone on a, a brilliant run at the end of the season, tried our very best, and it's just not worked out. But you have to look at that those. Those two games stand out for me. The the South End one being three 0 up and yeah. at the Barnsley game. For me, that's where that's where if we do miss out because the for me a playoffs is a little bit of a lottery. If we do miss out, that is where it those that's where it's kind of gone wrong for us. Sure, I oh, know I completely agree. And well, that's a fantastic segue, Sam. Obviously, you can tell you've been on the podcast for because what we're going to do now is we're going to go into talking about the playoffs. Welcome back to part two of the PO forecast. And Sam, let's get into it, mate. We said Peterborough, they're the team you most like to play in the playoffs. Let's do our playoff preview. Let's do who we'd like to draw ahead of the... Well, we're going to find out, aren't we, on Saturday, who we're going to play. Yeah. Um, for me, for, yeah, as you said, for me, I'd, I'd like us to play Peterborough um, and get that uh, play Peterborough. Obviously, if we play them, we'll be playing away first. So our second leg back at home at Fratton Park. I think that would be the most suitable draw for us um our record against Doncaster isn't good at all so that's why I go for Peterborough no I completely agree and I've been saying I think Andy uh, Mitchell Moore was talking to me about one of our writers was chatting about the fact that I called out Doncaster as a team I'd like to avoid in the playoffs um and we'll get on to them in a minute but Peterborough I think are a team that we we again if we make took our chances the other day and maybe we're a little bit less sloppy we would have won won that game at home and I really don't fear them playing them at all at their place either. No, I, I feel that they're defensively very very suspect, um, which was shown yesterday by their goalkeeper and their two centre halves. We we carved them open and uh, like a number of times in that first half. I can just remember I remember Lee Brown got to the byline. I was like, right, <laughs> surely we're going to score here. Um, but yeah, they looked quite open at the back. And if we defended like we know we can, I feel that we'll we'll be able to kind of keep them at bay over the two legs. No, I completely agree. And I think we've gone into Peterborough a little bit in the podcast already, so we won't spend too much time talking about them. But moving on quickly from Peterborough then, if we don't get Peterborough, here's here's one for you. Who would you rather get in the next? next? Because I'm actually weighing towards Sunderland. Now, Now you say that, it has got me thinking because I personally cannot, I've been Pompey fan since I was seven and I cannot, and went through all the lower leagues and we played Doncaster a lot. And I cannot recall us beating Doncaster in a game that actually mattered. Like, no. may, I think we may beat them in the championship for free, but that I can't remember us beating Doncaster for a long, long time. No. And I, I believe, I believe that Doncaster themselves, obviously, I don't know what it is about Donny, but they seem to play a style. Of, they play a style which is very much possession based. I, th- I think it's the formation. I, d- I do think it's the formation they play. It's it's similar to Luton's in that kind of four four two with a diamond in the middle, and they always will dominate in that midfield area. 
Yeah, they are a team that I just feel that for us, we don't match up very well against. And no. I, I can see John Marquis as well scoring the winner that knocks us out the playoffs. I don't know if that's <laughs> just me being funny. He was never as good for us. And I just feel that he's got match winner written all over him. Yeah. He, I, look now, we've released, some, we've released some players who've become good over the years. And he's one of them. Definitely, he's one of them. I'd, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who'd have him straight back at Fratton Park playing up front for us. No, for sure. I think he'd <laughs> slot in nicely, wouldn't he? Yeah. But but Doncaster, as as it comes as a team, for me, it's, it's a tough one though, isn't it? Do you want that second leg? Do you want the second leg there? Do you want if we had finished? Just trying to think about this. If Charlton end up winning, and us and Sunderland don't get, you know, we match Sunderland's result or something, yeah. then we we then go have to go to the stadium light of light again, and then we get to get, have the second leg back at Fratton Park. Is that something you think might be more suitable, or would you rather would you rather play Donny? Come on, mate, what are you saying? I I, I personally, it's a tough one. Now you've mentioned the Doncaster thing. I'd, I'm going to say that I'd back our team, the team, the run we've been on in recent weeks. Um, I, I'd like us to think we could beat Doncaster over two legs. I did tweet earlier about um, kind of the playoffs and it being a bit of a lottery, but over two legs, usually kind of league position and quality of the side should prevail. And you'd hope that over two legs, with the second leg being at Fratton Park, we would be able to, um, the fans would be right behind the team at Fratton Park in the second leg. If we've still got something to play for, you'd think we'd be able to get it over the line. Yeah, you would hope so, wouldn't you? And if you look at Doncaster at the moment, they're not on the best run of form. They've lost two, drawn one in the last in the last three games they've played before having mm. two wins against teams that were fairly fairly lower from memory. They weren't great. So if you look at their results now, uh, they drew against Oxford away. That's a, that's a difficult game, I think, at the moment. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, they they lost to Acton Stanley at home. That was a, that was I remember that I was a bit surprised. I just didn't know what was going on. But that's what I mean. They're an odd team. They kind of they'll beat someone half decent and then go. And, I'm not saying no disrespect to Acton, but they'll go and lose to Acton. I believe Doncaster as well haven't beaten anyone in the top above them basically in the table this season. Mm. So. Yeah. Don't know. Does that lean to more, more towards playing Donny? It's a tough uh, one. I, the only reason I'd lean towards playing them now is purely because, as you said, the run they're on. Um, if they were in a good run of form, I'd, I'd probably lean more towards Sunderland, just purely because we seem to have like the, the beating of Sunderland this season. The only team on worst run of form in the last five games are from Doncaster is Sunderland, um, mm. who, who have won one game in the last five, two losses and two draws out of that. Mm. Um, I mean, I was speaking to after after the uh, after uh, last night's games. I had a quick chat, which we won't mind, uh, with Rory Fallow from from Roker Report. Yeah. Um, we're both just trying to gauge um, each other's fan bases and you know how how the fans felt about it and you know what what the the feeling was around the fan bases. And I will tell you all this now, right now, the feeling around uh, the Pompey fan base is so much more positive than it is around the Sunderland fan base at yeah. the moment. They are angry they are rattled and i think that they're there for the taking really mate but they maybe they at home do they have that presence to to raise the game a little bit more i feel that's what they did on sat on saturday i I felt that the first half and the first kind of start of the game and parts of the second half they did raise their game i do agree with you though with the the anger and the the frustration from their fans because I don't. It's quite hard to fathom the kind of pressure that they are under to get back up into the championship because they're they are an enormous club in this at this level, much like we were at League Two and in, in this level as well. They're they're a huge club, and the pressure their players must be under to kind of perform, and the pressure Jack Ross is under to get them up, it, it is huge, and it's got to be playing a factor um, in the playoffs if if we end up playing them. No, I agree that, and I, I will, we'll go into into this now. Then Doncaster, I think, if you, if I say to you now, who do you want in the playoffs, Sam, over Donny and Sunderland? Who do you want? Uh, Doncaster, purely because of their form, their recent form. There you but go. then again, Sunderland's form's not great, but I just I just think Doncaster, they've got less match winners in Sunderland. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go into that after talking it through with you. I think we should try and finish as, as strong as possible. And I think the players be more confident if we come third, win our game and play an easier team. I know yep. it seems I know it's not necessarily the Pompey way, <laughs> but 
we'll stick with that. Now let's move on to the team that are possibly the one that no one wants to play. They're not possibly. They are the team that, that no one yeah. no one in the playoffs wants to play. I tell you this now, Sunderland fans don't want to play them either. Uh, I think that's part of the reason for the outrage at the Stadium of Light at the moment. It's Charlton, who have won four, lost one in the last five games that they played. Uh, and I think that one loss from memory... Oxford um, United. Came to, against a very well-informed Oxford team, wasn't it? Yeah. In a weird yeah. game as well, which had a couple of red cards. Yeah, it was an odd game. Um, for yeah, for me, it's essential that we avoid Charleston. Um, they're one of the they're at Fratton Park this season. I thought they were excellent, um, and it, if they hadn't have lost Carl and Grant, they would have been challenging in for the automatics. Like they were challenging, but they would have been really challenging if they hadn't lost him. Uh, they've they've got an excellent group of young players. You play some really attractive football, and I'd much rather play them in a one-off game than over two legs just having a think about this because I, I had a look at the the way that they lined up against Gillingham I didn't see Lyle Taylor playing do you know anything um, about that oh uh, yeah I do actually a little bit because my my friend's a Gillingham fan so I um he, he went to the game and he told me he wasn't playing basically uh, he was had a minor injury um so they were resting him rest, like resting him out for the playoffs basically fair enough so he, he will be playing in the playoffs <laughs> okay sure. okay yeah. so so I can't get my hopes up because I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Lyle Taylor. I said if we had um you know a huge amount of money, it would have been a, a great signing for us to go out and get him in January. I think well, they, they got they got him on a fr- they got him on a free last year. <laughs> Wimbledon wasn't it? Yeah, they got him. He was out of contract at Wimbledon. And it's brilliant. So that's for me. It's one of the best signings they've of the, of the season. Lyle Taylor for a, for a free. The contribution he's made to Charlton has been remarkable. I'd actually say he's come on more as a player, actually, since um, Grant had moved on to Huddersfield um, because he's actually had to to have that burden of responsibility, isn't he? And he has actually carried the team. Yeah, he, he, he's 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 not just scoring goals. He's assisting he's assisting the players around him as well. Yeah, um, his they, touch is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, that he causes it. Well, when he played, at, um, he played. I think we played Wimbledon in League Two a couple of years ago. And he played, he was playing for them, but he causes our centre-half like, trouble every single time he's playing. I think, he'd be, I think he'd be a good player in the Championship. I'll put that out there. So Yeah. The only thing is, I think he's 30, 30 years old, so he's probably only got two or three years left in him. Um, that's the only reason that I'd probably stay away. But he's, he's a quality player at this level. No, he definitely isn't, indeed. Um, if we do get Charlton in the playoffs, do you fancy us over two legs? <laughs> it's a tough one because they've done the double over us this year. And... At, I went to the uh, the away game and I was so impressed with Charlton. The, the, uh, uh, we weren't great, but they just dominated every area of the pitch. And they're just a strong kind of athletic side, but they also play some football as well. My pick of their players would be Bielik in the middle. They're number four. Yeah, he's, he's um, good. He's from Arsenal. And I, I tweeted this the other day, but he's probably the best player I've seen play at Fratton Park this season, when he played against us, he lit, he just ran the show. And that was when we had Ben Thompson in the middle as well. Yeah, I think um, I quite like Aribo or Aribo as well. <laughs> yeah. On the, uh, he plays, I think he plays wide left for them, doesn't he? Yeah. He's um, he's also a fantastic player, uh, quite a young player as well, I think. And um, I think I'm right saying, uh, I think he's, he scored one of the goals for, for them. How old is he? I think I'll just look it up. He's 22 years old. Yeah. Um, he, he, he's um, a great he footballer. Was, Apparently, well, my friend, he said he was excellent against Gillingham the other day. And yeah, he's one to look out for. I don't know. I don't know what system they play, but he seems to kind of play like he obviously plays out wide, but he drifts in quite a little bit as well. He seems to play kind of in the middle as well. Quite a versatile player. Yeah, he definitely is. I'm just I think that they basically play um, a formation which is, is not too, too dissimilar to how he play, but it's it's effectively a 4-1-2-1-2. Two, two. Mm. Yeah. At the moment, so so it's that kind of diamond in the middle, a bit like Doncaster and, and yeah. Newton play. Yeah, a bit like you know the old AC Milan formation, <laughs> the very narrow formation. Yeah, you know yeah. that that formation where you don't play with those sort of classical wingers and you try and sort of dominate possession in the middle and pass it through. And, and that that is that they're teams that we naturally struggle against. You say Doncaster that kind of play like that, Newton play like that. The first game of the season how we Luton didn't win that game was beyond me. So it is, it's something that if we do come up against, we need to kind of 
combat and work out a way of combating it because personally I would put three in the middle and try and match him up in there but interesting who would you like to bring in Bryn Morris uh, I feel the stick he's been getting is a little bit harsh um, we haven't really seen much of him and I thought he was excellent against Barnsley in the three yeah um, I think so as well I, think we I thought he did that. really well I thought he did really well in the middle um, and he scored against South End. I thought he did well in the first half there obviously it was against South End, but yeah, I, I, I feel we've got to give him a chance. He's young, and he could he could potentially be a good asset. That's that's how I look at it. I look at their age. I look at why we signed them, and yeah, I can see why we signed him. And along with Andy Cannon, when he eventually kind of <laughs> gets fit. Yeah, I mean, Andy Cannon again needs to get fit, doesn't he? Do you, do you see Isgrove making an appearance in the team? Um, personally, no. Um, probably up there with one of the most pointless signings. <laughs> Who was that? We signed someone a few years ago. I think it was Connor Wilkinson, and he played about fifteen minutes at the last game of the season. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It, for me, he will he will probably never play in a Bombay shirt. It's growth. <laughs> no, it's just one of those things that just didn't work out, did it? So, oh well, moving on. But yeah. I think so. We've we sort of got a grip on who who we'd like to play. Um, in the playoffs, Sunderland, I think we can do over. Doncaster, it's going to be a tough one, yeah. but I think we can prevail. Peterborough, I think we'll be. And to summarise, Cholton, I, I just don't want to call that, mate. Uh, uh, it's one of them. You don't know which Pompey's going to turn up. You need to say that the, the best Pompey would have to turn up to beat Charleston. Um, but it, do you feel on a big pitch it'd be better for us? I sort of feel maybe. If we've got them at Wembley on that vast pitch where our wingers have more space to run into, etc., we might actually come off better than playing on a more tight, compact. That, field. that 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 is the thing with their formation they play. There's going to be chances and opportunities because they they're not going to have any kind of uh, wingers tracking back. So there is opportunities for wingers to expose that kind of space in between, or on, on like just a like before the fullback. Um, and you would at Wembley. We've played there already this season, and we did we did look quite good in that second half. So it, I'd definitely I'd much rather play Charlton just in a, a one off game as opposed to two legs because um, two legs it's gonna it will be a tough it will be a tough game over two legs. But then any of the other three, uh, I, they're all going to be tough games. But I'd much I'd prefer them over playing Charlton over two legs. No, massively. And maybe, you never know, someone else might knock them out for us. Yeah, we end up playing Sunderland again. <laughs> I'd like that. I think it's friendly. I'd, I'd like this. It's sort of a, it almost feels like destiny, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I've got a friend who's a Sunderland fan that I said to him, I was like, he went to the game and, at Wembley and we all, we kind of agreed that we'd be back there at the end of May. <laughs> Another thing is, though, the only uh, positive thing I suppose you can see from a Pompey perspective is it's a lot easier to get to Charlton. Yeah, I t- <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to go back there again. It brings back bad memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think that's how Pompey fans are going to try and plot who they want in the playoffs bases no. on what what's got the easiest train Logistics, journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, mate. Let's. Do you know what? Let's just fly into part three. Let's do this. Let's do this Accrington game. Let's get this preview on because looking at Accrington, um, just giving a little summary here. They are one of the. They are the seventh best team in the league for my expected goals of creating chances. Mm. Unfortunately, they also give up a lot of chances, and that's why they've got things a minus thirteen goal difference. They're one of those. They're one of those teams that, as we saw early on in the season, will take chances in order to to score goals. Mm. That's the way they played in League Two, and they've continued that sort of style coming into League One, haven't they? Yeah, well, I'm a massive fan of their manager. I think the job that he's done there is remarkable, along with their kind of their chairman, who's who they run on like a shoestring budget. It's it's minuscule, yeah. and um, for what and John Coleman's been well. I think he's been there a few times, but for the job he's done this time round, it's been remarkable. Winning the league last year when you had Luton Town in that league, it, it was it was sensational what they were doing. And I like I do like the way they play. They kind of they've got a distinct style. They'll always try and play football when they can. Obviously, it's hard on their pitch at the moment because it's not great. Oh, but of course it is. And but. That's even more impressive, isn't it? The fact that they play that way, despite yeah. they, they, and, they they try and play football the right way, and he's uh, he he's a he's a good friend of Paul Cook. They probably probably get it off each other, but they they kind of play that expansive style of football, and it is refreshing to see. It's it's kind of, it's sim- it's opposite to what Kenny Jacket does, but it's just different ways of doing it. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of players for them that I think are cut above the rest. And obviously, they've got Billy Key up from... Big fan of Billy Key. <laughs> he's um, he's quite small, isn't he? He's quick, but he's sort of he's a bit feisty at the same time. He's, yeah. a, na- he's a natural goal scorer. And he's, I think it's his movement as well as his finishing that really cuts him above the rest. Yeah, well, he, he he's done it at this level for such a long time. And he's had quite a few like off-the-field issues as well. But for him to be scoring goals at, so regularly at this level in that team which they they create chances but it it's not like uh, you know a Barnsley or a Luton that's constantly getting the ball in the box and he's clinical he's a proper old striker and it's quite refreshing to see him doing well at this level yeah i think he's got 15 in all competitions this season which is which is you know fantastic especially playing up front for Accrington yeah. um, obviously Stanley they've got another player that i quite i quite rate um i like Sean McConville um, he obviously got a hat-trick the other day against Plymouth. Don't know if you saw the highlights of that. I did. Great but hat-trick. He, but he is, uh, he is well, he, he's strong on the ball. He can shoot well. He's got good vision. He's the kind of player that will drift inside. You know, he can play out wide, even though he's a forward. He's almost got that sort of Roden Curtis, Jamal Lowe sort of feel to him for Accrington. Mm. Yeah, he, well, he, those three goals he scored against Plymouth, they were just clinical. Like, all of them were. That last goal was a wonderful strike into the far corner, but... He just seemed to take his chances when he had them. And that's something that maybe, you know, Lowe and Curtis need to add to their game, just being a little bit more clinical when they get the chance. Cause, and Otterbore for, uh, for, uh, for that matter as well. But yeah, McConville, he's, again, a bit like Key, he's kind of been around the block a little bit. And they're, they're just doing a job for what, they're, they're, what they can. They're doing like the best they can do in the kind of the facilities and the resources they've got at Accrington. It is, you've got to admire what they are doing. You do as well, and there's there's no fancy tactics of Accrington uh, with of Coleman as well. He he likes to play a four four two formation, from what I can mm. see a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. But it's a very attacking four four two with players committing and going forward and making chances. The mm. centre backs like to go forward a lot for for set pieces. They will throw you know caution to the wind. And Pompey really needs to just make sure that when we play them, we don't just do what we did against Peterborough and just sort of open up because mm. I feel that they will score if we do that. Yeah, I, I think it will be an open game uh, in the sense that they will come and play. He he would have said to them, "Listen, it's your last game of the season. They're safe. Playing at, Fra- playing at yeah, they're safe. They're playing at Fratton Park on a lovely pitch, which has been amazing all season. Hats off the groundsman, but they've got to go out there and." And they're going to go out there and enjoy themselves, play some good football on a good pitch and see if they can get a result against a big team. Um, and I feel that will suit Pompey. It will be a good game. It will be a, I, I, Pompey are always both teams to score at the moment. I feel I think Accrington will score, but I just yeah. think, as you said, they're kind of, they are leaky at the back and that will be, I think we will expose that. Then they've got um, who else they've got playing up for? The, they, they like to bring on Paul Smith, don't they? Randomly, as some sort of like super yeah. sub, you know, online from QPR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of him, honest, but I think he adds more of a um, a sort of direct approach, doesn't he, than, mm. than the other strikers that they've got up front. Yeah, they've got quite a highly rated. I think it's a fullback. I'm not sure on his name, but he's he's very highly rated. Um, he'll be one to look out for um, on Saturday. I can't and... remember. They've got. Um, They've got one. They've got one guy at the back, haven't they? Richards Everton, who um, he's quite pacey. I thought mm. um, the, the young, their young right back. Uh, that might be. I can't remember his name. There, there's a there's a fullback they rate very very highly over there. Um, yeah. But I remember I watched the game, the looting game they had on TV, and the goalkeeper didn't cover him himself in much glory. So that might be something to kind of uh, for Pompey to look at. No, definitely. And as I said, they do give up goals as well. So if we can just take our chances, stay on side, etc., we should be able to get a result against them, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think it's really important that we do get a result because if we, it'd be, I remember in the League Two season when we drew Plymouth in the playoffs and we knew we were playing Plymouth before the last game of the season. Yeah. But the, the problem I had with it was that we, we ended up losing the the last game of the season to Northampton and it meant that we played our second leg away from home and that had a huge impact on on that tie. Um, if we played that second leg at home, we'd probably win it. Um, and it's not dissimilar on Saturday because if we win, we'll be guaranteed probably playing, we'll be guaranteed playing sixth place. If we lose, we're probably going to be playing fifth place, which is either Charlton or Sunderland. So it is crucial that we actually get a result on Saturday 
to make sure that we're playing the right person in the playoffs. No, completely. And it is, we keep saying, don't we, that this game's the important game, but every game's important when we come into this part of the season. Mm. It's the final game. And what what a what a success it'll be and what a confidence boost it'll be to the players if we do go in and, and you know, emphatically win this game. Yeah. And and what I think another thing is to get if we win on Saturday, we'll get what, ninety one points? Yeah. To that to get ninety one points and not go up is it is ridiculous in all fairness to not go up automatically. Shrewsbury did it last year. It it's it's a great achievement for the players to get ninety one points at this level. Um and for, for us to, to 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 get that, given what we said we wanted at the start of the season, which was realistic playoffs, ninety one points is a great tally. And Jacket said it at the start of the season, if you get to ninety points and you just see where it takes you. No, I agree. And a quick question, actually. Um, Greg at Walks His Way put a question in asking us, do you think we should make wholesale changes to the team or should we keep the team as it was? Uh, I'd like to see Otterball come in for Curtis, see if we can get him firing a little bit for the playoffs. Um, yeah. Also, potentially maybe rest up uh, any... I'd like to see Louis Dennis involved just because I'm a real fan of his, but I, I don't know if he'd kind of want to take Pittman out of the team maybe to rest Pittman for the playoffs, but I'm not too sure. Maybe maybe give lower rest because we know that he's going to be starting in the playoffs because he's been excellent for us over the recent weeks. But those are the only changes I'd really kind of contemplate. I don't, you wouldn't change the defence too much. Try and get a clean sheet. Try and get the confidence back up there. Who do you want to see start if Lowe doesn't start on the right? <sighs> That's an interesting one. Maybe bring Gareth Evans in. Um, yeah, he would play well or, may, or maybe, or maybe bring Louis Dennis in there because he's played on the right before. I really would like to see Louis Dennis involved though because I feel he's been really harshly not. It's nothing on jacket, but he has been harshly treated. But with the sense that we've been playing, we've been top of well near the top of the league for so long, and it's kind of a player coming from where he come from. It's going to be so hard to get back into that team or get into that team. But when he when he has played, he's been excellent every time I've seen him. No, I completely agree. He's been absolutely superb, and it's just it's just unlucky he hasn't had his chance really, to be honest. And mm. when he has, he's he's looked good every time he's played. But you know that's that's how it is. I, I would like to see Gareth Evans come in. I think that we could do with a bit more running in the midfield against Stanley as well. And I think mm. that you know, Gareth Evans will get about a little bit more. Otterbar, I think if you have Evans on one side and Otterbar on the other side, I think that would be you know, pretty, pretty dangerous. And that would really add some bite to us, wouldn't it, going forward yeah. as well. Mm. So oh, anyway, I, mate, what is your prediction? Let's get this down now. Uh, for Saturday, I'm going to go 3-1 Pompey, just purely because we we don't really keep clean sheets at the moment. But I do feel we'll be we'll have too much for them going forward. What is that? Are you going for a Lee Brown hat-trick? <laughs> I'm going to go for, who are we going to go for? We'll go for Pittman to get two, Otterball to get one. And Billy Kay will score for Stanley penalty. I can see that. I can see that. Do you think? And, do you think... Uh, yeah, we'll get third place and end up playing. We'll go for. We're going to end up. We're going to end up playing Peterborough. I, I think they're going to do it. You think uh, on the back of the victory against on us, the back? They I think they're going to be flying after yesterday. Um, and I think we're going to play Peterborough again. Well, I'm going to go for a two-one Pompey win. I think that. Stanley will open up a lot. I think it's going to be a bit of a nervous occasion. I think that we'll get a couple of goals. I think Gareth Evans, if he plays, will get one. Ben Close again will carry on his fantastic form and get another goal. Hopefully not deflection this time. Um, I think we'll concede one. I'll, I'll stick with my my bet of McCorville to get the goal for, for Akin and Stanley. And, mate, I'm just hoping now that... We get this, we do this, and then we move into the, into the playoffs in good form. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just hoping that we end up playing sixth place, and there can be a get a win, play sixth place, and get a little bit more. Be excited going into the playoffs, confident yeah. we're actually going to get a result, yeah. and then look forward to another trip to. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but look forward to another trip at Wembley, and hopefully Championship football next season. Let's do it, Sam. <laughs> Sam, what if you got anything you want to plug at the moment? Obviously, you're writing with us, and what's going on with you? Uh, no, yeah. So similar to what I said last time, just going to try and get articles out when I can. Obviously, I've got a lot of uni work at the moment. Um, I've got a friend of mine who's a Gillingham fan. We're thinking of doing some sort of lower league podcast, try and get something out there. So awesome. just try and just try and if everyone can follow me on Twitter and then just get that out there. 
Well, Sam, keep us updated, mate. We'll help you promote that, obviously. Oh, um, yeah, so give Sam a follow on Twitter. Tell people your Twitter handle, mate. That would help out. Uh, I think it's SamStone10. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Put an at symbol in there, people, and you'll be finding yeah. Sam straight away. Nice one, mate. So that's it. And oh, last thing I'm going to say is, Lee Brown, mate, if you're listening, <laughs> I've put money on you every game this season. You've got, <laughs> you got to score one. It's got to happen. <laughs> right. Do you know what? If I had more money, I would have banged 30 quid on it this week as some sort of thing of God. But unfortunately, yeah. I'm absolutely brassic. Um, so it's probably going to be a £5 bet. But let's see. Anytime, Lee. He's de- anytime. He's, he's destined to get one at the back post this weekend now. He is, mate. And, and <laughs> you know you know when they say anytime goal scorer? Yeah. Anytime, Lee. Anytime now this season, mate. Anytime. <laughs> We're ready for it. Anyway, cheers. <laughs> Sam, it's been great having you on the podcast, mate, again. Cheers. Thanks for having me on, too. It's all right, mate. We'll have you on again soon. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle. <laughs>